April is Parkinson's Awareness Month. Parkinson's disease, of course, a brain disorder that leads to shaking, stiffness, and difficulty with walking. Parkinson's symptoms usually begin gradually and get worse over time. And as the disease progresses, people may have difficulty with a number of things, such as walking and talking. And it's often thought to be something that would only really impact older individuals, but that is simply not the case. And Parkinson's Awareness Month is a good time to talk about the fact that, yes, it can impact younger individuals. So to mark the month, I wanted to hear from a young BC woman who, at 36 years old, saw her life take a bit of a big turn. And uh, six years after being diagnosed, I understand understand Gina Lupino has made some incredible strides to improve her overall health and quality of life and she joins me now. Gina, how are you doing here today? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you sharing your story. So uh, I guess just to begin here, can you kind of take me through what, you know, life was like before you did receive your diagnosis and then what led you to kind of wondering, hey, maybe something's wrong here that I need to get checked out? Sure. Before diagnosis, I was just working as a lawyer and um, my social calendar was full of activities and social events and sports and music. I played with a percussion band. I traveled. I I hiked. Um, It was really, I had a really busy quote unquote calendar and there wasn't a lot of rest time or really any time to pause and and just take care of my body. Um, So I was actually symptomatic in January of 2014 and diagnosed in June of 2016. So it was the, the time between the symptoms first appearing and, and the doctors finally settling on a, a diagnosis was, was quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I just was, I, you know, I was unmedicated. So I had to figure out different hacks to kind of accommodate myself and to keep, you know, in order to keep living. But I, I couldn't keep up with the, the life schedule that I had set for myself. Um, so it, it, um, I mean, I pushed really hard, but I, I, I couldn't. So at that point, I was still working full-time, and um, on the weekends, I would just collapse. And, I mean, one day I would just, I, I would sleep day in the day, the evening, the next day. I missed a friend's wedding at one point because I, I just fell asleep and slept through the day. Um, so life is, it was pretty challenging and, and frightening at that time. Mm-hmm. But I finally got a diagnosis in June 2016. It was, I felt shocked and or sure upset but i also felt a great sense of relief because i finally knew what was going on and at least knew that there were there were people out there working on this problem um there was research there was it was it's a fairly common disease so i wasn't dealing with something rare that i had to go you know somewhere far away to get treatment or or even reach somebody who had heard of it parkinson's was was a well-known disease and it's been around for a long time um once I was diagnosed, I was actually in Kamloops at the time I received my diagnosis. I was in the middle of a bar exam review course um, in, for getting licensed to practice law in BC. And, um, you know, I, I just, I mean, that gives you kind of a, a summary of what, or an idea of what my life was like. I didn't mm-hmm. really, despite having these symptoms, despite having a Parkinson's diagnosis, I was still pushing ahead as much as I could. Um, and then, as I started to learn more about the disease, I started incorporating more exercise and rest time into my life, um, but still not enough. And since then, I probably, the big changes are um, valuing sleep and um, going to bed earlier, incorporating more rest time, more exercise, and just more, much more self-care into my, into my schedule and cutting back on some activities and, and cutting back on some work a little bit and hiring some people to help me out with my workload. Now, 
just going back to that two years where you kind of knew something was wrong but didn't have the diagnosis, didn't know what exactly was going on. I mean, I imagine there was a large sense of frustration knowing that, hey, something's wrong, but I don't know what. And and you mentioned, you know, you were having difficulty, you know, waking up for things. You missed a friend's wedding. I mean, how difficult was it to, to, to know that something's wrong, but not know what it was, and then try to, you know, continue to attend appointments and book doctor visits to try to figure out what, what the heck was going on? And I imagine that was an incredibly frustrating 24 months for you. It was frustrating, frightening, um, but it, it really forces you to have patience and, and to really dig deep into your soul and find patience. But at the same time, the frustration kind of fueled a desire to reach out and to try to learn you know, for myself about neurological disorders. We knew it was something neurological. We just didn't know what box it, it fell into. And the doctors initially thought it could be MS. Um, then they thought maybe it could be a stroke. And then they toyed with the idea of Parkinson's. So I didn't, it wasn't that I was completely in the dark. I knew that I didn't have a brain tumor. They did MRIs, they ruled that out. And at, what, at some point they ruled out MS because they did MRIs and, and saw that there weren't markers that are consistent with MS. So all along as, as the neurologists kind of did their diagnostic um, procedures, they, they taught me about what they were considering and why. So I, I, I knew something was wrong, but I knew it was neurological. So I tried to just connect with people in these respective communities and educate myself about what could be going on and what I could do in the meantime before diagnosis to try to just cope with some of the symptoms. And there are a lot of, a lot of neurological disorders have a lot of similar symptoms. So, and, and a lot of things like exercise can be really helpful for a lot of them. So I just, it was, it was really frustrating and really and frightening. Um, and I think if I had, more access to um, healthcare, not not more access, but more frequent access mm-hmm. to healthcare. We have a problem in DC with with these delays in, in meeting with our with our uh, healthcare providers. It's not the provider's fault. It's it's there's a lot of other systemic issues that that um, affect that. But that was the importance of of um, having a community there, such as like Parkinson's Parkinson's Society DC, Parkinson's Canada, the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Um, that's where you can find a lot of resources about neurological diseases in general and specifically Parkinson's, obviously. Um, and then just meeting with people in the community who have, have received a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Now, now I formally go to um, conferences and, and meetings and meet other people with, with Parkinson's disease. But at the time, actually in the course that I was taking in, in Kamloops, one of my classmates, or the wife of one of my classmates had... Um, been diagnosed with MS and she had an incredible story. She went blind and then discovered that running helped. And then by the time I met her, she was running like ultra marathons. And not only did she have her vision back, but she was in great shape physically and, and asymptomatic. So, um, even before, I mean, the point is that even before I had full access to, to clinicians and a, and a complete diagnosis, I did reach out into the community of people with neurological disease and see what was working for them. And I tried to emulate that. And that was helpful. 
um, it gave me a lot of hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, does that change your whole outlook when you talk to people and, and have uh, those, those stories shared with you to realize, hey, you're not alone in this, and, uh, you know, a lot of oh. people have been dealing with similar things to, to yourself. I imagine that just, it almost, like, takes a, a bit of a load off of you, like, just knowing that uh, there's there's other people that you can kind of learn from and, and learn how to live yeah. with Parkinson's. I, I just can't imagine how, how, how freeing that must feel just to, to know, you know, you're not the only one fighting this fight. Yeah, it, it definitely helps. I mean, it's it's comforting to, to know people that are my age or, or similar to my age. But um, one of the, the pivotal moments in my journey with PD was when I went to the, the annual, the, I guess it's every three years, it's an international Parkinson's Congress. And a couple of years ago in 2016, right after I was diagnosed, they had an event in Portland, Oregon. So I went and my objective in going there was just to connect with one other person who was diagnosed when they were about my age and now was older. I wanted to see how they, how they progressed, how they fared out, what they were doing, what their life was like in their older years when they were diagnosed when they were my age. I, I wanted to get a feel for what I had in store for my own future. And I, one of the first people I met was this woman from Montreal who, and I, you know, I dressed up in like my work clothes. I had a folder. I, I looked like a lawyer <laughs> walking around this neurology conference or Parkinson's conference. And I met this woman from Montreal and she was standing, it was like at an exhibit hall in the, in the conference. And she said, Oh, are you a doctor or a clinician? What are you, what are you here for? What brings you here? And I just lost it. I started crying and <laughs> lost my composure. And I told her that I was newly diagnosed and I was here to meet somebody um, who was older that was diagnosed when they were my age. She grabbed my hand and said, come with me. She introduced me to her husband. His name is John Ball. He lives in California. And he was diagnosed when he was 37. He was exposed to Agent Orange um, during the Vietnam War. And now he's 70. I mean, I don't know, but I guess now he's mid-70s, but he was early 70s at the time and running marathons. And when I, once I met him, and I just laughed, and I, I, I cried and I laughed, and I realized that this wasn't a death sentence at all. And that if some, uh, somebody like John could get diagnosed at my age and then still be running marathons in his 70s, then... I got this. Yeah, that's that's a great story. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us here, Gina. I, I really appreciate this. This is something that, um, you know, doesn't get talked about very much. So I'm really happy yeah. you're able to come on here and, and share your story. Um, I guess just how, how are you feeling now compared to when you were first diagnosed? What kind of progress have you been able to make just, uh, you know, from, from visiting neurologists and talking to others and, and maybe doing some different treatments to figure out the best way to cope? Mm -hmm. uh, just, I imagine you've, you've, you've seen a big difference between where you were in 2016 to where you are now. Night and day. <laughs> Night and day. But... Um, I have to take really diligent care of myself. I have to go to bed at a reasonable hour. I have to eat certain foods, avoid certain other foods. I have to avoid, you know, actively minimize stress in my life. And at times that, you know, has included um, giving up certain activities or passing certain social functions or even getting out of certain relationships that are bringing stress into my life. And um, it's just, it's an active, deliberate um, way of living that's much different than the way I was living beforehand. 
You you talked about some of the difficulties in British Columbia when it comes to visiting with a neurologist and being able to book appointments and, and get in. Um, has has that improved at all? Uh, you know, since that time, have you seen any strides being made in that regard? I, I saw an article that you were uh, quoted in uh, from a couple of years ago talking about how other provinces have a lot better access to to, to neurology. Has anything changed in British Columbia in your experience over the last number of years? I think, I mean, I don't really know, so I, I don't want to speak on behalf of the people that do know more about what's going on in the government as far as policy mm-hmm. and procedure, but um, from my personal perspective, I've learned how to work a little bit more with the system and and try to use other resources like right. nurse practitioners and pharmacists to help me regulate medicine rather than just my neurologist. I don't, sometimes you don't need to speak with your neurologist you can do a lot more work with um nurses and nurse practitioner with the clinician team um i've, I've done that a bit more but i think it, despite that and also in my you know my personal subjective experience i've seen i've had a better experience getting more access to um neurosurgeons in ontario than i have in bc and i from what i understand there's still we've we've made some progress in bc but i think we still have a ways to go when it comes to getting getting people access to at least consult with neurosurgeons for a DBS procedure. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll wrap this up here, but uh, do you have any advice out there maybe for anyone who finds themselves suffering from, from something but doesn't know what? I imagine the first thing to do would be, hey, uh, probably see a doctor and get it checked out, but just any, any advice to anyone who is, is sort of in that position of feeling the unknown of what they're dealing with, knowing there's something wrong, but not knowing what it is. Uh, and any, any words of wisdom, I suppose. Yeah, I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, getting advice and, or just seeking information and that includes getting advice from, from experts, but sometimes you get You get advice from an expert that doesn't make sense, you know, and it's good to get a second opinion or find even researchers or researching the area that, you know, might, might be, you know, what you have mm-hmm. or what, what you're suffering from. And, and maybe if not, you know, they'll be able to direct you to somebody else and research or going, reaching, I'm sorry, reaching out into like the community and um, finding people that are either suffering from similar symptoms and don't know necessarily what it is or trying your best to like collaboratively or, or at the same time talking to doctors what it might be and then researching researching that illness or reaching out into that community trying to meet more people that are suffering from that um that condition and just finding as many resources as possible you might find your answers with somebody like a nutritionist or um an acupuncturist or a chiropractor it's really important for people not just not to rely 100 percent on their neurologist or their the medical doctors. That's one piece of the pie. It's um, it's important to just find all the resources that you need to take care of yourself. Gina, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, best of luck moving forward, and and thank you so much for sharing your story. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was Gina Lupino there, a young British Columbian. She's now in her forties, but first diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in her mid thirties. Uh, April does mark Parkinson's Awareness Month, and I really do appreciate hearing Gina's story. And, you know, it's it's important to realize no matter what your age is, it's not impossible to receive a diagnosis like Parkinson's disease. Oftentimes thought of something that really only impacts older individuals, and that's just not always the case. I guess, you know, the older you are, the more likely you are to 
deal with something like Parkinson's, but we're not immune, no matter how young you might be. So it's a, it's a great story, and I'm really happy Gina was able to come on and, and speak to it, and, and especially, you know, Parkinson's Awareness Month. It's, not a, um, it, it's a great time to be coming on and talking about this. So if you're dealing with anything, no matter what the, the issue might be, maybe you don't know what it is, maybe you do know what it is and haven't had it actually, um, you know, clinically diagnosed at this point, just know you're not alone, right? There's a lot of people who are dealing with similar things. Maybe it's not the exact same illness or disease, but... Uh, you're not fighting it by yourself. So don't don't think of yourself uh, as a loner. Don't be in a world to, unto your own. Uh, reach out, find some help, and get that support group with you. It makes things a lot better and probably improves your health outcomes as well.